Well, it's good to see everybody. It's funny, this is a, a new perspective with the three spotlights. And for me to be so animated, this is kind of making me a little nervous, but that's okay. Um, I'm gonna be okay. Uh, I wanna tell the story about how I was given this mission to deliver today's message. I was in the snack area trying to get my tasty treat and Apostle Hardy rolled up on me and said, hey, you know the difference between divine healing and health? Yeah, you up next. And he like threw his hood on and he, he was ghost. You know, he was in you know, sways on me. I felt like it was mission impossible, you know. Um, and I didn't really hear from him for a couple of weeks, but he allows me time to study and get myself together and he knows that he's always available. He's available, I know he's available if I have any questions or concerns and so I'm excited to share what I believe the Lord has put on my heart for you today. And I would like to begin with this a prayer. Um, Father, thank you for this time to come together. Thank you for these few, these merry few who have traveled near and far to hear a word from you. They have come to hear from you, Father, and not me. And I have studied to show myself approved, but empty me out and rearrange to the extent that you need to and bring to my remembrance those things that are necessary. And so we thank you for the word that is going to come forth in your son Jesus' name, we pray. Now I wanna lay down a few ground rules before I get started. Um, it happened a little bit before the impartation service, but I developed this interesting spiritual gift. And I won't say it's telepathy, but it kind of works like, I know what you're thinking. I know where your head's at. So what I wanna do is let's get through the lesson, keep your thoughts to yourself, cause I can tell, I can hear your thoughts They're coming at me, so just hold up and let's get through the whole argument before you uh, raise the questions in your spirit, amen? Um, this lesson is kind of a culmination of about three or four messages and the first one's beginning with divine health. And just briefly, that was a message that, or series of messages that opened our mind to the fact and reality that the father does not want his children sick. And that he has different mechanisms by which he will impart health to his children. And normally I don't have books up here, but I, I wanna briefly go through I'm gonna list them, not talk about them. The 12 different ways that the father can infuse health into his children. One is through the laying of hands, we've seen that before. Um, one is through deliverance, that's a, a, a process, sometimes through prayer and intercessors where people can uh, facilitate hearing, hear, healing. Healing through the breaking of curses, um, generational curses, healing through anointing oil, healing through faith, healing through virtue or touch, healing through the presence of God, healing through prayer, healing through the gift of healing. Some people have a gifting for healing. They can touch you or pray for you and you can be healed. Healing through fasting, turning down your plate and stop eating. And then healing through clothes and clothing and also healing through the word. And so today's message is about divine healing and that is divine health, I'm sorry. And that has to do with a state of being, a healthy state of being versus serial healings. 
It's one thing for the Father to heal you from episodic sicknesses. I got a cold, I stubbed my toe, and you have healing. But the epitome of health that the Father wants for his children is through divine health, that, heal, that health that he gives his children, divine from the Father, the Lord God, Yahweh, not any other God, not any other entity. And divine health by its very nature connotes that it does not come from man. But I hear your thoughts and we're gonna get there. So Terry, what does that mean about diet and exercise? I'll get there. Well, what about eating organic? I'm gonna get there too. What about um, exercising 10 hours a day? What about taking supplements and all that stuff? We're gonna get there. But the first thing I wanna bring to your attention is that there are a couple of methods by which the Father has provided for divine healing. Um, and the first one is divine healing through covenant promises. That is a kingdom key. The Father has made covenant promises of divine health. Throughout the Old Testament, we have different um, patriarchs who were um, given promises by the Father. And these are covenants because the Father um, made them himself and he was the one who obligated himself. It wasn't conditional. It wasn't, if you do this, then I will do this. Some of these were not. And the main one that we are going to discuss is the covenant that the father had with Abraham. And that's recorded in Genesis, the book, that's not, a, that's not a, a slide, I'm sorry. In the book of Genesis, the 12th chapter, and it says, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse you. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. That is what we call the Abrahamic covenant or the promise of Abraham. And so Abraham had a son named Isaac and it passed to him. And then Isaac had a son named Jacob. Anybody named Jacob in the house? <laughs> yeah. And Jacob wrestled with the Lord and his name became Israel. And from Israel, we have the children of Israel. And the most complete record of the promises of Abraham are actually recorded in the book of Deuteronomy. And we love those. Deuteronomy 28. I'm not going to go through all of them, but there are a few I want to point out. And the first part is really important. And it says, if you fully obey the Lord your God, and carefully follow all his commands I give you today. The Lord your God will set you high above all nations on earth. All these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. And then he jumps down and he says, the fruit of your womb will be blessed and the crops of your land and your young of your livestock 
the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks. And that passage is important because there's a part of me that likes to find the exact wording, like where does it say that? If I don't see it there, then it doesn't mean, then that, that's, it doesn't stand for that proposition. But the fruit of your womb are children. And if he's saying the fruit of your womb will be blessed, that means that you have children that are healthy and that you are able to conceive. No Viagra, no nothing, you are able to conceive. And that means a woman's womb is able to produce eggs. It's virility, it's life, it connotes blessing. Not sick. So that's the covenant right there, that Abraham, then it came to the children of Israel, and, and the Lord said, look, I'm going to bless you. And the interesting thing about a promise and covenant from the Father is that it is irrevocable. Irrevocable. But the problem is some people are like, well, I don't know why it don't work in my life. I'm going to just tell you because you're doing something wrong. Doesn't mean he's wrong. It means you're not following the, the formula, the algorithm that he has in place. But we're going to get to that. And so... All of these blessings, he will bless you coming and going. He will bless the works of your hands, your barns and everything will be full. He will establish you as a holy people. All of those blessings, you have to have divine health to even walk in all of that. Even if you know that you would have a prosperous business, even if you know you would have 10 or 15, 10 or 15 children, if you knew if you had livestock, if you had land, that it would be fruitful, you would need divine health to operate and walk in each and every one of those things. And that's what the father knew. So he was like, I'm going to promise you with good health. However, a lot of times you hear people say, well, that's for the children of Israel. That doesn't have anything to do with current day Christians. I don't believe that. That was just old school. Um, that was under the law. We under grace right now. I, I don't see how that relates to us. And I'm, and I'm glad you said that because I have an answer to it. And then we can find it in Galatians, third chapter, five through nine. And it says, so again, I ask, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? So also Abraham also believed and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would testify, I'm sorry, would justify the Gentiles by faith and announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. And he said, all nations will be blessed through you so that those who rely on faith, those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Because Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, written, curse is everyone who was hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ so that by faith 
we might receive the promise of the Spirit. And I say all of that to say that is the proof text that the blessings of Abraham are on Christians right now because of the redemptive work of Christ. We can say all of the blessings, all of the promises of Abraham are yea and amen. And it's not that we have access to them, that's great. We have access to them even though we are not Jewish. We are not blood lineage from the children of Israel, but we have access to the promises through Christ, who was the great mediator. We are engrafted into the body because of Christ. But the other part that is really cool is that it's not conditional. It's not if you do what I say, then I'm going to bless you. Now it's a question of do you have faith? And you're like, well, I have faith, but how come you're not walking in divine health? The issue is we perish because we don't have knowledge. We don't know that this is a promise. So you don't have the faith in it. You don't have the faith for it, the belief that God is who he says he is and will do what he says he will do. So you can't anchor it on anything. And that's why diet and exercise is not the key to divine health. But I'm gonna get to that. It comes from the Father. The other kingdom key with regard to divine health comes through the word of God. The word. And because the word is not just, and when I say the word, I'm talking about the Bible. And just be, because the word is so powerful, it is why your flesh will not in and of itself want to crave the word. That's not you. In other words, that's not your higher self. That's not your spiritual self. That is your flesh. I'm too tired. I don't want to read it. I don't understand it. Those D and vows. I don't know. My grandmama said you go crazy if you read the word. So all sorts of reasons why people don't read the word. You have to discipline yourself for it. But I, I don't want to get ahead for myself. But there's also attacks when you're trying to read the word. The enemy does not want you to know the word. Eve was tricked and deceived because she didn't know the word. Well, she didn't believe it. The enemy knows. Trust the devil knows the word. In the spirit realm, he knows you. He knew your grandmama. He can go back 50 and 60 generations. He knows the word, and he knows how to trip you up with it. But if you're not studying it, you don't know. So you can't say in that moment of crisis, during that time of testing, it is written because you don't know but you have to know the word. And David says that you have to possess your soul. That's a desire. Your soul, mean, your soul, meaning your will, your desires, and your mind, you have to take control of that and decide, I want to study the word. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, you will be able to. But you have to decide that because there are things working against you getting the word of God because the word, are not, the word is not just flat, flat. It's alive, it's an incorruptible seed. Anybody ever planted anything? Incorruptible, it's gonna, it's gonna sprout up. And nothing wrong with the seed. Now sometimes the soil isn't good, but the seed is not, is not a problem. So in Proverbs 4, 20 and 24, this point is, is made very poignant. It says, my son, Pay attention to what I say. Listen to me. 
Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. Some translations say, attend to my word. For they are the life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Words are life to one's whole body. Above all, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Flows from your heart that is nourished by the word that you have attended to. We're gonna go back over that. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. So, I know we got a lot of Bible scholars in here and everybody's like, well, I read the word. I know the word, I can go back and forth. I've been to Bible school, I know, I know the word. This is not about knowing the word. It's not about knowing the scriptures. This is not about showing off. This is attend to the word. That means meditate on it. You gotta know it, but then you meditate on it. And then you become fully persuaded when it's in your heart. And when you speak it, it's not just blabbing and grabbing. It has to be in your heart. Because if it's not in your heart, it's not authentic. You have to spend time with it. It has to germinate. There are things that you will study, and even when you study, instantaneously, it may not take root. Because the word is very powerful. It is alive. And so you can't always sit down and read a whole chapter. You won't retain it all. Sometimes you have to break it down into small parts on a particular subject. So if we're talking about healing, this may not be the time to be going through the scriptures that talk about the birth of Christ. Stay focused. Talk about healing, deal with the healing scriptures. And then we have John 6 and 63. It says, the spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Spirit and life. The word is not just generic, just so people who talk all the time and talk a lot got to be careful about the words that aren't anchored in the word. Talking about what I saw on TikTok and Twitter. That's not what the word says. Hebrews 4 and 12, for the word of God is alive and powerful. Y'all get my point, right? So we're talking about healing words and the word, and then how to engage your eyes, ears, and your heart. Mark 4, 23 and 24 says, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Then he added, then he added pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given and you will receive even more. And that's important when you're talking about divine health because what works for one person may not work for another. That's why I tend not to like fad diets. I don't like keto because it caused my hair to fall out. Some people like it, you could lose weight. I made up in my mind, I'm not going to give up whole food groups. So you have to be careful about the words that you listen to. Is it consistent with the word? The word says, test it. The word says, study it. The word says, ask the Holy Spirit for direction. 
So you have to be careful with any type of word that you hear, but specifically from the word of God. Matthew 6 and 22 says, your eyes are like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. Whatever you focus on, whatever you gaze on, it provides light for the body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is, is, is filled with light. And that is such a beautiful scripture. And it reminds me of a time when I was maybe 12 or 13. I used to love to read Vogue magazine. I used to just look at the pages and I just thought that was the coolest thing. But I noticed that some of those models didn't look like me. And it began to make me feel bad because I'm peering in this magazine and I don't see me looking back at me. So I'm thinking if I don't have what's on that page, something is wrong with me. So I decided to look at another magazine, another high fashion magazine. I chose Elle, which is more of a French magazine. And I saw that they had um, African-American models back when really Vogue didn't. I mean, there were one, one or two, Naomi Campbell, that was it, but she wasn't always in every, every, um, every magazine, every issue. And so, the point is, what you gaze upon has an effect on your inner body. So it needs to be the word which fills you with light. But if you spend a lot of time on Facebook and Twitter and TikTok and you keep gazing upon that, I mean, people will say, Dr. Hardy, am I telling the tale? It can create psychological problems. People don't found one room in their house that ain't got no rats and roaches running around and they done pulled the curtains over and they done shot this video and you all in a slump because you don't have the same thing going on. People lie. People don't have the same agenda. Those women have had tens of thousands of dollars worth of work. They not trying to be married. They don't want no man. You can't go looking at stuff thinking something is wrong. You need to gaze into the word of God that gives you light for your whole body. Matthew 12 and 35 says, a good person produces good things from the treasure of a good heart. A heart filled with good things from the word that have passed through your eyes. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasure of an evil heart. So the word engages your eyes, ears, and heart, and it affects your entire being. Interestingly enough, the ears, the eyes, and the heart affect you mentally, which will affect how you carry yourself and conduct yourself. And as we start talking about, well, does divine health have anything to do with what I have to eat? I'm gonna get there, don't rush me, I'm gonna get there. So, Divine health is at the soul level, your will, your desire. It's at that level. It's at that level that divine healing takes place, that divine health is rooted. And 3 John 2 says, Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you even as your soul is getting along well. As your soul prospers, you will be in good health. 
And that scripture is interesting to me because actually it was a prayer because I think he says, I pray that you may. It's not a commandment. So I've often wondered, I'm like, well, if that's just a desire, what does that mean? But I actually studied and it says, well, I found that John was a godly man who was led by the Holy Spirit. So that utterance was inspired by the Holy Spirit and it's consistent with God's word of divine health. So it's more than just a wish. He's saying it's possible as your soul prospers, as the internal working of the word takes place at the soul level, the manifestation has to be in your mortal flesh. We've read that scripture, but if you are not walking in divine health, the question is, did you know that divine health was more than just a wish? That it is anchored in a covenant promise, that it is anchored in you spending time and attending to the word on health, attending to that. Because the word says the father attends to his word. It does not go forth and come back void. And trust me, I've tried to make a liar of the father. You said you was going to do this and you didn't do it. And he let me have my tantrum and boy, he will come through. And it wasn't always at the time I wanted it. Sometimes it took years, there have been decades. There were things that I inquired of him as a small child that he recently explained. It's because I didn't have the aptitude to understand. I wasn't ready for the answer. He's not a man that he lie. He ain't like your lying cousin, Leroy, you know what I'm saying? He's not like him. He's going to do what he says he's going to do. But if you don't know what he says he will do, you can't anchor your life or anything on it because you don't know. And that's how you perish, because you don't know his word. Now it's time, it's time. I know y'all were like, all right, Terry, what about diet and exercise? Okay, okay. We're gonna get to the external factors. Y'all ready for this? I can't tell, y'all ready? All right. I think this note says right here, it's not about what you eat, right? You see that? Oh, Terry, but you know, what if you, you, you know, can I eat fat back chicken and collard greens? What does it say? It says, 1 Timothy 4 and 4, for everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with Does that mean now, laters? Does it mean Skittles? Does it mean blood sausage? Oh, y'all don't want to play, y'all. Back, back chicken and collard greens is everything. Now, now, this is the catch. Now, this is where... Apostle Hardy and I like to spar. We like to, well, I think it's funny because he's not a big proponent of dairy products. <laughs> and I say, well, maybe you can't have none, but I'm going to have some, you know. <laughs> but but it, was, it was bookended with, yes, you are authorized, but is it expedient for you? In other words, does it cause you to stumble? If you eat ice cream and you know you're supposed to be on that prayer call at 4.30 and you bent over because you had ice cream, guess what? That may not be for you to eat. doesn't mean it's unauthorized. It just means it's not expedient for you to do it. It becomes a weight for what you're trying to do. Does that mean I can't eat Cheetos? It doesn't mean that. Does it mean I can't eat coconut cake? It doesn't mean that. But when it gets to a point where you can't back off of it, when... When you get the word from <laughs> our prayer warrior, Manushka, look, we're going to be praying from 3 a.m. to 8. 
can you back off of that coconut cake like on a, on, a, on a dime? And if you can't, I got another word for it, but I won't say it. The word is addiction, and you need to let it go. If you can't come back off of coffee, if you just got to have this, you need to deal with that, and we're going to talk about that. But you are authorized to eat whatever. And people want to have, in the Old Testament, it says you couldn't. It says for everything. So let's talk about the word thanksgiving. I don't have time to get into that all right now, but something happens when you give thanks. And just briefly, you know the story of the Tim lepers who came to Christ and asked that he heal them. And he healed them, and they all ran off. But one, only one, came and said thank you. And he said, what happened to the other ones? I don't know what the response was. He said, well, I'm going to make you whole. That leper only asked to be healed from leprosy. He didn't ask to be healed from whatever mental issue he had, from cancer, from financial ruin. He only asked the Savior for one thing, but he ended up getting all of that, whole meaning whole, his entire person. So when you give thanks for something, something happens. It's not just bowing your head and saying thank you. Christ recognizes it, and something happens in the spirit realm. All right, so are uh, you ready for this? How much are you eating? So if it's not about what you eat, could it be, well, what about if I eat a whole lot? Does that have anything to do with it? Yeah, it does. Because too much spinach where you're not hungry is sin. When you have eaten past that point of being satiated and full, you are falling into gluttony, right? And sin opens the door for sickness. But you can't eat spinach to make yourself divinely healed or healthy because food from a fallen world does not produce divine healing or health. Now we get into the exercise part. Good shape versus divine health. First Timothy 4 and 8 says, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. You can't diet and exercise yourself to divine health. I've read some translations where it says, profiteth you little. So what about people who work out and they are muscle bound? Does that mean they walk in divine health? If they attend to the word, that diet and exercise is called stewardship. They are making the best of what they have. But the diet and exercise does not in and of itself lead to the divine health. And then we're coming to our favorite, practicing righteousness for divine health. And as a brief review, we know that practicing righteousness includes ingesting the word, spending time with the word, giving, um, fasting, prayer, worship, and fellowship. I added fellowship as a slash to worship. But I just want to say this one thing about giving and divine health. There's another 
covenant that is in place that is that impacts divine health. It doesn't lead to it, but it will impact divine health. And that has to do with tithing. And I know a lot of people don't want to talk about that, but ironically, money is mentioned about 2,000 times in the Bible. I don't think salvation is mentioned that many times, so money is very important. Money addresses, address, addresseth a multitude of things. But when you are not tithing, you have opened yourself up to a curse. That means the mantle of protection that is provided through tithing is removed. And that could mean your physical body. The tithing protects. The increase comes from the offering. All right, y'all looking at me like move on. All right, I'm gonna move on. So, Fasting, in the context of divine health, this is important because it's not about losing weight. This is about losing those weights that keep you from walking in divine health, those things that beset you. If you, seriously, if you have an issue with gluttony and it doesn't always occur as um, I'm overeating at the dinner table it can occur when you're stressed out and you begin to eat and you don't know it. Or you begin to eat sweets and you're not really hungry but you're looking for something to satisfy you. That is a form of gluttony. You're not hungry, you're just eating it because you need something else from it. And that something else you really need is the Father. And that is, and that is why you start to fast and pray because you don't owe your flesh anything. And you start dealing with those issues. You come off of a fast for a long period of time, it's very difficult to overeat because your body is like, I, I don't think, okay, well, we're gonna eat today. Your body will do what you tell it to do. You could almost tell your body, I'm gonna get up every day at four o'clock, go to sleep and you'll wake up at four o'clock. Have you ever started drinking a lot of water and then one day you decide not to drink water and then you got a sore throat? Your body will do what you tell it, but it needs to come from your spirit which speaks to your soul and then to your physical, your physical body. You tell your body what you want it to do. In the Old Testament, Ezekiel was, was asked, will these dry bones live? And he was like, Lord, I don't know. And sometimes people don't speak to their body. But see, it's not just blabbing and grabbing. I say, I say, get up. But if you don't know that it's not anchored in God's word, when I say to these dry bones, I'm getting up every day and I'm gonna work out and when your body pushes back on you, the God in you speaks to your body through your mouth. Oh, y'all are acting like I don't know what I'm talking about. I mean, it's, it's God in you, it's the Holy Spirit in you, Christ is in you, you've just had communion. So when your body is like, mm, that's, not, that's, not the, that's not the enemy, that's not Satan, that's your flesh. And sometimes the only way you can crucify the flesh is through fasting. I know some men that can count how many days of the year they ate. I don't miss no meals on purpose. That means they are not moved by any, no stomach ache, no tasty cake, no delight videos. They're not moved by that. Plus they're not watching that. And so the fifth one, I want to go back to that fasting a little bit. That's also where you break those, those habits, those besetting sins. You break those through, fa through fasting. 
And those things that keep you from dieting, exercising, as a result of knowing that divine health is available to you comes through the breaking of your connection with fleshy things through fasting. And then, of course, prayer. Prayer. And not just English, prayer in the spirit, spirit-led prayer. Because a lot of times you don't know what you need to pray about, and that's why you need the Holy Spirit to intercede for you. David asked the Lord, I don't understand why there's economic downturn in the land. And the Lord said unto him, it is because there has been the shedding of innocent blood. And what that means is there's not always a direct connection the spiritual root of a thing is not always known. And that's why you need to ask the Father, what is this? But the reason why you pray in the spirit or in tongues is because you don't want the enemy to know. He don't do nothing but ear hustle. I heard she want a man that's light-skinned with uh, green eyes, and then lo and behold, you've been praying and fasting, and all of a sudden, somebody with green eyes and light skin come by, and you think that's him, and you throwing yourself out. No, that's the enemy. Sometimes that's the enemy, because he heard what you were praying. Even in the natural, when you're at war, you don't have loud broadcasts of what plans the United States Army is going to do when it invades someplace. It's secret. It's not given to everybody. It's not broadcasted. Sometimes there are different um, codes for it. It's no different when you're speaking to the Father. There's certain things that you want. You don't have time for your prayer to be all over here. You need to hit it dead on. You don't have all day and all night. Father, I need you to, this is what I need you to hit. And when you pray in the Spirit, the Spirit directs those prayers and they go right to the heart of the Father. And a lot of times when you pray and watch as the Word commands, you will see odd things unlock. You think you're praying about not eating Cheetos and you look up and you're like, huh, I'm going to buy a food truck or something came along. You don't know. That's why you keep praying in the spirit. Coupled with the fact, trust me, I can, this is a funny story. There was a debate in my family who talked more. Me, my aunt, and another aunt. And it was funny because the one I thought would have won the contest, uh, told me, mm-mm, she talked more than I do. But I think at this point, I probably have them all. But like I say, this isn't just your normal chit-chat. I get paid to talk, so don't try this at home. But, but the issue is, and I could probably, I could probably talk about 10 hours straight. But there would come a point when I wouldn't have anything else to say and you get to the end of your prayer in English, and you will need to switch over because there will be seasons in your life where there are no words to describe what it is. And even when you know what it is, you don't know what to ask for to move it. You don't know how to ask for, give me what I need. And I'm not saying the Father doesn't hear prayers because I remember a prayer on the side of my bed one time and all I could say was, oh Lord. And I got a new job. I couldn't tell him everything. And there are things that will require seasons of prayer. That means days, that means hours, getting up out of your bed 
calling on people, being at people's houses, whenever, whoever is going to pray, praying in the closet. This ain't a prayer where you got music going all the time. It, it, it is full-out meditative prayer. You cannot do it in English. You will run out of words. That's why you pray in the Spirit, because he knows why. The Holy Spirit knows. And the last one is worship and fellowship. That's the fifth part of practicing righteousness. And just briefly, the reason why you practice righteousness simultaneously is because if one is done in excess without the others, you will be malnutrition. You can't just read the word and not pray and ask for the ability to interpret what you've read or for direction on what you've read. Can't just go to church and then don't read the word. You can't just give, because sometimes you give a miss. You give out of obligation instead of out of a cheerful heart, so that which you sowed is not really good seed. But if you haven't read the word, you haven't been worshiping, then you wouldn't know. So you need all of them working at one time. And so we get to this fifth one, which I call worship and fellowship. I added the fellowship, and you'll see why. And so. Just hang in there with me on this one, okay? <laughs> Hebrews 12, 22 and 24. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God. It's not a literal place. The heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. To the church of the firstborn, who is Christ, whose names are written in heaven, those who have gone before, the great assembly that we know in Hebrews 11. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. And we know that Abel's blood cried out from the ground, but Christ's blood is stronger and speaks louder than that blood. And Christ is there in Zion. And we know the Father is there and the angels are there. And there is a worship that takes place there. And that's what we are invited to. Most of the time when we sing praises, we are like, you're welcome here in this place. But this is a worship and fellowship where we are translated there. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's a different type of worship when you leave this realm and you have joined the angelic host who fly around the throne and all they say is from each and every angle that they see the Father, all they can say is holy, holy, holy. When you are in that great crowd of witnesses, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. Now there's debate as to what that means. Does that mean those who are already there? But it says to the spirits huh, of the righteous made perfect. So 
Who in here is righteous? Come on. Every hand ought to be up. You made righteousness, made righteous because of Christ's blood. So it says, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. So that means somehow in our spirit, we are there. Okay, y'all looking at me. I got, I got a low-level example for you. Y'all ready for this one? Y'all, y'all not going to be mad? How many of y'all ever smelled an onion? Have you ever smelled anybody who's been eating onions? You smell somebody cooking onions. You could be upstairs and smell cut onions. Who's cutting them onions, right? You could be close and somebody is cooking fresh onions and cutting them and your eyes start to wander, water, right? How many of y'all eat smothered chicken and smothered cabbage and all that kind of stuff? It's seasoned with an onion, is that correct? So it's no different than being in the presence of the Lord. You can't be in his presence and that not get on you. You can't put onion in a pot and don't get onion smell, right? I got one for you. I got a whole bunch of, well, I had a whole bunch. They're not little anymore. I had a whole bunch of little cousins. Ooh, they used to go outside and play. And weeds that smell like onion, right? Mm-hmm. We used to call that that wild onion funk. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Come on. Whoa, y'all smell horrible. So can you imagine what it's like to be in that type of worship and that glory not get on you and make a difference in your mortal flesh. That's what this scripture is saying. And I know because I found some infallible proof in another scripture. It's called Psalm 84 and 7. They go from strength to strength to each appears before God in Zion. Every time you go before the Father in that type of worship, you go from strength to strength. But you can't do that at home. Mm, that says fellowship. Mm. But Terry, I don't forsake and I just don't want to come. Okay, well, let me see if you can get there. But I'm moving on, moving on. I'm not looking at anybody and this is my favorite one. Ooh. Obadiah. But on Mount Zion will be deliverance. It will be holy and Jacob, Jacob, will possess his inheritance. The inheritance of divine health, all on Mount Zion. So that's the importance of fellowship and worshiping together, together. And then finally, we just took communion, but that's the other element that has to do with God infusing his, his divine being into ours through communion. How he allowed, well, Christ allowed himself to be sacrificed. Communion is not about the life of Christ, but his death. We do it until he comes, until he comes into our circumstances, until he shows up in our finances, until he shows up in our bodies. That is how the Father, through Christ's broken body, the wafer is not a wafer. It becomes his body, and it's a miracle because we're not supposed to eat flesh. And listen, the first people who saw that were like, I'm out. He talking about eating flesh and blood, and I'm out. But he did say, he says, this is the broken body. This is my broken body. He didn't say this is the bread that represents my broken body. This is my broken body. So somehow it's a miracle. 
And he would have to be because he doesn't want us eating flesh. Plus, we don't do that anymore. They had already sacrificed all those animals. You know how many animals every day that had to be sacrificed? They don't do it that way anymore. Through that, we have the bread and the blood. And through the blood, we have another covenant. The blessings are yea and amen through Christ's atonement. That's how we get to the blessings being um, available to us because of Christ's blood. And so at this moment, I've concluded. And I would like to seal this message with prayer. And if uh, our watchmen would come forth and...